Welcome to the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with emerging artists and industry leaders about all things paper flowers. Through this podcast, we hope to continue to share knowledge, connect all of us together, and elevate the artistry of each and every one of us. Hello, I'm Quinn Wen. I'm Jesse Chu. I'm Priscilla Park. Our mission is to share, connect, and elevate the paper floral industry. We are some of the voices behind the Paper Floors Collective. Welcome to our podcast, Paper Talk. You're listening to episode eight of the Paper Talk podcast. Today, we're chatting with Lynn Dolan. Lynn is an outstanding paper florist who specializes in plant portraits. Her work has inspired paper florists around the world, and we're so pleased to have her joining us today. So, hi. Hi, Lynn. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's so nice to hear your voice. Quinn and Priscilla and I are here to learn all about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself first. Okay. Well, first of all, it's my pleasure to be here. I think this is like my very first podcast that I've been a part of. Thank you very much. I'm very humble. A little embarrassed that people are interested in what I have to say. So, I'll try not to ramble too much. Oh, my gosh. Please don't. I you're one of the most amazing paper yeah. floors ever. Um, you're one of the first people that I actually followed when I started making paper flowers. And your two accounts on Instagram has been just an inspiration, learning about all these different techniques. Your love of sharing and teaching has been just amazing. I'm so honored to have you here on oh, our podcast. Thank you. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that because it was, I've been doing, I don't lose track of time. Actually, I'm surprised that it's not as long as it feels to me sometimes because I think I've been doing the teaching for six years now. And then it it was actually a very progression coming into this. But I remember, you know, back in the day, having like 17 Instagram followers. It's weird. Like, where did people come from? Because I don't, my account, I still keep my odd. It's almost like a scammer's um, account handle. And people said, oh, maybe you should change it to make yourself easier to find. And they said, you know, I think I'm okay because I initially started my account so that I could see what my friends were doing and my friends could see me. And I feel like there's some obligation to kind of moderate the content that put on there. But and sometimes that feels kind of cheesy to me. So I was like, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't start out doing this to make it like a marketing tool or some kind of, you know, branding tool. It's just me. It's, it's the same thing that I've been doing since whatever, like 2013. I'm thrilled that so many people are into the scene that I can look at other people's beautiful work and see the natural world through their eyes. So I I want to do my small part to just kind of like keep the enthusiasm going. I don't put too much pressure on myself as far as like putting stuff up that people will like, won't like. And I've told many people this. sometimes like the stuff that's my favorite content doesn't strike a chord with the majority of followers or people that are viewing my gallery. I like, it makes me happy that, you know, there might be like three or four people that say, oh, hey, this speaks to me because... I think at the end of the day, what we really want, right, is like a, a connection with others to, I don't want to be cheesy and call it like validation, but it's nice to know that, hey, there are other people that are just as enthusiastic or pleased by, you know, the things that are pleasing to you. It's mm-hmm. just nice to know that you're not alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just a middle-aged, beleaguered mom, kind of going through a career transition. I've read, you know, that there are other women in particular, you know, that are doing what we're doing for the same reasons. Just want to engage my mind. I, I love 
flowers. I love plants. I love nature. I like pretty things. You know, so botanical art in particular is attractive or fascinating to me, but I like other people. I like ethnographic stuff too. This is an outlet for me pretty much. And so the rewards aren't always or primarily financial. I've always told my friends, I'm just going to do this for as long as I can, at least publicly. You know, if I need to take like another trajectory career-wise, I was supposed to be going into nursing clinicals. That's been put on hold for personal non-career related issues. But, you know, when my son is older, I probably head back in that direction. And then I might not be as active in the scene Mm -hmm. at that point. But it's okay. Like I'm not, it's not that I stopped doing it because I don't enjoy it anymore. My dream life, if I could lead such a life, would be to just do this all the time or go to school and keep learning (laughs) and, and engage with other people. I think it's just feel very lucky and I'm grateful that people enjoy taking classes with me. Sometimes I have to doubt their sanity. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I want to get down there and get a class from you. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't well, had the chance yet. Yeah, well, we'll ha- I think we need to be serious about working something out so I can go to Seattle. Yeah, get, get you down here. You know, and yes, I'm definitely, we'll make it happen for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So I really want to ask you about your education background, because you haven't always done paper flowers for the past six years. What was your life before paper flower? Well, I was a stay-at-home mom briefly. Before that, I had a career in the military. I'm in the Air Force as a linguist. So I picked up a couple of languages. That's also how I'd met my spouse at the time was because I got involved in some refugee settlement work, you know, back here in the Bay Area when I was service. So the first language I learned was Arabic. I'm very poor at it now. And then the <laughs> second language I picked up was Serbo-Croatian, which is it's a Slavic language. I already took some Russian in high school, so and I like the Cyrillic <laughs> alphabet. I like Slavic languages, so I enjoy talking to people from the Balkans. I'm trying to learn some Russian, and it, it's not going that well right now. I kind of <laughs> sound like I'm cognitively impaired, but that's okay. <laughs> that's amazing. So, yeah. And so I always have the utmost respect for, you know, people that come to the U.S., you know, have to learn English, especially as an adult. So I always, you know, I like talking to other people and hearing accents. And it can, the mistakes that we make can be funny, but I'm never, ever going to mock someone who's trying to learn a second language. It's tough. Oh, yes. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, and, and speaking, try to teach people and like there's I'm learning, OK, there's a craft language, too. Or every time I'm in the class setting, I realize that I think I've been lucky to have practice. There are people that will hear things in a different way. So I'm constantly having to like switch gears and translate or reinterpret observations or instructions. When I'm talking to students, there might be somebody who's very like, very much like an engineer, very literal and wants measurements and wants very specific things. There are other people that just want or more intuitive when it comes to crafting. They kind of want to be spoken to like in an encouraging way or given freedom or you could point out options to them and then they like having that freedom to just kind of do their own thing. Whereas there are others that constantly like every step, am I doing it correctly this way? You know, or should I do this color, that color? And like, pick the color that you like. <laughs> Don't let me, I'm not here to be your boss. I'm not going to be bossy. <laughs> I will be bossy about the glue though. Oh my God. The, the glue. Tell us your favorite glue that you use. It's 
always going to be Aleem's, yeah. even though I've <laughs> tried different brands. And, or, you know, it could very well just be the case of me. You like what you know best, right? I just kind of know, I, I know the behaviors of Aleem. I prefer it. I, I don't think I've ever, just once we had to use a glue gun. And I'm trying to remember, what did we use the glue gun for? It was very recently. And I remember thinking, this is crazy because I don't think I'd ever <laughs> used the glue gun on paper flowers. Because with the leaves, there's a little bit of a grace period, right? Where you yes. can kind of stick something on and if you need to, you can reposition it. I think it seems fairly non-toxic. I've been thinking a mm -hmm. lot about being environmentally responsible with the craft. And so I always feel a little guilty about using color tool <laughs> sprays. And <laughs> I don't I don't know if that if it's a good or a bad thing. I always tell myself, well they use it on fresh flowers, so it can't be that bad. <laughs> But uh, yeah, just, that's, I do. Yeah, I'm that's a high clipper. I I just like Aleens, and no, yeah, I'm not being paid by forgiving. them. Yeah, I have no no connection to the company, so. <laughs> but I have to say, when I was because I don't do that many stem flowers, so I mostly do wallflowers. But now that I've started more by force, I yeah. am starting <laughs> to appreciate Aleens a little bit more. Like wrapping the stems with, I tried with hot glue, and I was like, this this is not working. Come on, I hear you. No judging. You know, I can't. I'm so clumsy with it. And I always end up with those glue cobwebs. And I probably burn myself about three times at least in every project where I tried to use that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I think when I there were times where I very stupidly have done large flowers. And I remember thinking, why am I using a lean or I should really have, you know, glue gun for something like this. So really, it's just a case of there are, I feel, appropriate tools for every type of project. It's not mm -hmm. that I'm weirdly prejudiced against, you know, one or the other, although I am a no floral tape person. That goes back to like, I jokingly refer to it as like my craft trauma. <laughs> Having made, do you remember those coffee? filter roses that was like and I, I love those so much and I got to use my watercolors and I had made several table pieces and I did some tissue paper like delphinium so I was kind of like doing that Livia Chetty like the green vase mm -hmm. tissue paper and coffee filter thing and I mean this was like maybe seven or eight years ago I made table arrangement for a friend's preschool's auction dinner and they were kind of having like this Mexican, like a fiesta theme. So they were very bright and cheerful. I followed the instructions and I used floral tape. And I remember thinking like, oh, it leaves like this greasy, like I just didn't enjoy using it. Mm -hmm. And everybody loved the flowers. And she said, oh, well, you put all this, you know, time and effort into them. She says, we're going to keep them and use them for something else, you know, down the road. Well, they put them in plastic bins and they store them outside in one of those tough sheds. And a year goes by and they were thinking that they were going to use them again for another type of dinner. And my friend went to pull them out of the bin and they fell apart because what had happened was that the floral tape went slack. Mm. Um, and it might have been like just it, yeah, all the, it either dried out or just all the temperature fluctuations. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, like nothing was salvageable. Like it was just all just going all over the place. Oh, you know, they just, goodness. yeah. And I thought, oh, never Such again. And then, yeah. <laughs> well, so when I went to Castle and I took this, it was like a Denison based rose making class with Anandamai Arnold. 
and Amy Baldwin. And I think if, if anyone doesn't know of those two artists, they should go and look up their work definitely on Google to find examples. But they were, yeah, they, they held a, it was a short evening class, how to make denison style roses. So like you would use a thin wire to secure the petals. When it came time to finish up the stem, they were talking about using the crepe paper. And that was like a big castle thing was only use crate because it won't do what the floral tape does. And you can always get, you know, like a good color mat. Your work will have like more, there'll be permanency, which sounds weird when you're talking about crepe paper stuff, right? Because I always feel that it's kind of ephemeral in the long run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, yeah. So that's how I only have strong feelings about the floral tape. But it, <laughs> again, that just, <laughs> that's only in relation to my work. I think it makes sense if you're just, will save you time. And if you're just doing something that's like party decor, then why not? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. in that case, you're being efficient. I think like for things that you want to a little more long lasting, then for me, I'd say stick with the floral tape. It's not that hard. You just cut mm-hmm. some strips out and dot it with glue. And it's stretchy if you cut it the right way and you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you brought up Castle in the Air. We really want to know more. What happened to Castle in the Air and how were you involved with Castle in the Air when they were open? Castle in the Air... By the time Karima Camel, the owner, closed its doors, it had been open for nearly 20 years, which is actually like a really long lifespan yeah. for any type of business Retail like store, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't that it was struggling. It actually had like one of the best. The last couple of years had been like really good from what I understand business-wise. But, you know, Kareem and I are the same age and we've had conversations about like, you know, the arc of our lives and like what's going on. And she has a, like, she also has a publishing business. So she's always been interested in writing and publishing books that combined art and she's been growing and cultivating her personal art practice is specializing in like a tempera and mixing pigments. She's been doing, she's always had this very interesting philosophy of making her life part of her art too. And so she, there's always like a theme when she and her family and, and close friends go to Venice, they like to participate in carnival. And that's also part of like the life is like theater and fantasy. I don't want to be putting words in her mouth, but that's kind of how I, I interpret what she's been doing and how that's part of her business practice. But you know, it's just, it gets hard. Like, it is tough these days in the retail space and, you know, having to be responsible for your employees. I think the art was like so pressing and it requires more of her time and energy. She, you know, really wanted to do that. I think there's like feelings of guilt because you want to know that the people that work for you are going to be okay. Christmas period, she made the decision, you know, like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to shut this down. And it was really tough because it's kind of like, cutting it's like letting your baby go and a part of her identity is tied in with the store and it was like really beautiful and it was really tough for her I'm sure like in the last few months to hear from people like oh I'm so sad and this is too bad and and, you know and she herself had you know feelings of like maybe I don't want to do this in the end or like is it a regret or am I finally going to be relieved when I do this I'm glad she's on a family holiday right now I think I'll be talking to her when she gets back in the meantime she's like you know and she's in that feeling like you also don't want to disappear right like because you're not running a store it's not like you're wanting to shuffle off into some whole very much just like you know all of us we want to be connected in in our little art community so I really did it was very quick how I came on board as far as being an instructor and it started um, about seven years ago I was looking for crepe paper I did an online search and I was really surprised and 
really quite happy to learn that there was like a brick and mortar shop across the bay from me because I don't think I had ever really spent any time on 4th Street, which is like a small retail street behind a frontage road. Like it's just not a part of Berkeley that I would have thought to have gone to. And then when I walked into the store, I was just so thrilled because like, wow, this place is so magical and it fills with all the kinds of things that I love, like not just the crepe paper, but like the antique, the jewelry, the odds and ends, people's artwork, the books, the stationery, the masks, everything. And it was all curated and put together so well. It was specifically doublet that I was looking for at the time. I just did, I didn't know what it was called. And in my mind, doublet in the weird stuff that you'd see at the craft stores, you know, like the party streamers. <laughs> the, that, like, as far as I knew, like, that was the only, that was crepe paper, right? And yeah. when I got in there, you know, there was a, a woman working there who consequently, she became, you know, like a really good friend of mine. And she retired from the castle a while ago, but she was the one that pointed out the floor crepe. So that I had never seen before. And then while I was, you know, purchasing the, the paper, they said, hey, do you know there's a class? There's like a spot left in evening class and they'll show you what you can do with this paper. So I signed up, super thrilled, learned how to do the roses because my only experience before that was making sweet peas out of a Japanese kit. And this was like back in the late 80s. And it was from that time until like, you know, 2000, whatever that I had hadn't seen any crepe paper in any of the craft stores or, you know, at some point I had forgotten about it. You know, if you just think mm-hmm. something's not available anymore, we didn't have internet retail the way we do now. It just didn't occur to me that I'd ever come across the stuff again. But anyway, I made, took the class, made some super dorky roses, but was super thrilled, decided I wanted, I think I'm this way with just about any craft that I get interested in. I kind of go overboard and want to <laughs> buy all the stuff. <laughs> I don't know how many of you can relate to that. (laughs) And, you know, and I'm kind of like a small, it's like being in a candy store. It's like visual candy. There were just so many colors. I thought, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to buy like 15, 20 of these things and I'll figure out what to do with them later. I, that was in the summer. And then by Christmas time, I remember I wanted to make pansies and they didn't exist. Like nobody had done crepe paper pansies at that time. Castle has, there's an association with this color called Castle Blue. They have really neat concept of awarding people with badges. You know, if you send snail mail to the store, you know, like it can just be a simple letter or an illustration. If you just send something to the shop, they would email or not email, but snail mail in return a blue bag to anybody that corresponded with the store. So I thought that idea was really neat. So I made blue pansies. It was another good way to get to use like all these colors that I had bought. And I put them in a little terracotta pot and took it in as a thank you gift. You know, just thank you for being here in the community. I'm so thrilled to have found you. You know, I'll keep coming in and buy more paper but Sarah who was working at the store at that time she had asked she thought it was so cute and I think then I had also made tiny potted strawberries and so she had asked would I be interested in teaching a class which just sounded insane to me (laughs) because you know even now I still feel like oh I'm just a person that's just kind of sitting at home you know kind of goofing off with the stuff but, you know, in a, in a joyful, happy way. And we did a test run for the class with another instructor who was there. And her name is Alice Armstrong. And she is actually one of the partners of the store that I'm teaching out of right now, um, Etui. And we did the 
class for the potted strawberries. That was the first class that I had ever done. I think we were super crazy at the time because we scheduled it as an evening class. So we ended up going a little bit overtime. Um, I think John. <laughs> <you> not? Somebody, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it'll at least be longer yeah. than you think. <laughs> yeah. Strawberry class went, I think like we pulled out all the stops. Like we used the glass glitter. We used Mod Podge. It was, but I think the response to it was, was so good that they thought, hey, we can, if you're up for it, we can schedule you for other classes. New territory. <laughs> if there already isn't like an established group of the crepe paper crafters, because I want to introduce something that will kind of incorporate enough meeks, but I don't want it to be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I want it to be interesting at the same time. But I kind of just let whoever my host is determine like what they want the subjects to be. And then I'll just give my feedback as to whether or not, you know, I think I'm always sometimes I'm surprised at what can end up being popular. And it is different from area, you know, region to region. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, there's always like the one like gateway flower and peonies seem to be it for sure. I do too. And then there's like, a, you know, cause there are times where I'm like, okay, well, we'll put it on the schedule, but I just don't see anything happening yet so far like every single time it filled up only recently did I think I've noticed like maybe out here enough people have kind of like gotten into it that they're ready to like do other things Um, (laughs) and (laughs) they're so over it (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's like a cycle like I go through that too I'm like I never want to do this again or there are times where I put stuff on a schedule and I'm like I'm not I'm not feeling it, but yeah. it's the day before I go in, I was like, oh yeah, I, I remember now why I really enjoyed this project so much. And, <laughs> and then the day of, like, oh, I forgot how much fun this was. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get your workshop in Montana? Jill Redman is the owner of Paper and Grace. She, what a great I know, it's, it's there. She's fantastic. I love Bozeman. It's a very beautiful place. The store is great. The community involved with the store is wonderful. She actually found me. I'm not sure how she found me. I think it was like on social media or maybe through uh, like a castle tutorial or something. But she actually came out and she took a class with me at Castle. I think just to see like, you know, what is this all about? How would the class work out? And we actually had like a really funny conversation about, you know, how she decided to ask me or propose, you know, the, the classes. And she had said she was on holiday with her husband and they were um, in Mexico. And I guess she wasn't feeling that well. And so like in a fit of like delirium, she decided to message me. (laughs) 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 And I said, yes. And so like, here we are. (laughs) No, but it it was a wonderful experience. And it was just the best part about that was having a student in the class who for like two years in a row had to cancel at the last minute. And she was going to come attend classes that I had done out in Boulder, Colorado. When I think I had posted the notice or something on Instagram, we were just so thrilled because she said, oh, this is, you know, like what a coincidence it was, or it was kind of meant to be that I was teaching at a place and she actually just worked in a building, you know, across from Paper and Grace. Like they were all in the same small complex. So instead of having to like buy plane tickets, make the big trek out of state to come and do the class, this time she just had to like bicycle on over. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, yeah, that was thrilling. And I said, okay, no pressure. Like, we've only just waited two years, you know, to <laughs> be able to do this. I'll, I'll try to meet your, ex- live up to your expectations. <laughs> I think everybody seems pleased. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have such a great following. I mean, people just love your work. And I think part of it is your personality as well and your teaching style. It's so chill. Can I can I use that word? Chill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so chill. It's so you Lazy. know. Lazy. I don't know. Disorganized. <laughs> I've never heard that from anyone. A <laughs> little bit like um, the nutty professor. I don't know. <laughs> so where other places are you going to be teaching? Uh, you have more planned for the rest of the year. You know what? I think I'm just sticking with the Bay Area. I haven't. I may possibly be going back to Montana and Wyoming, but we haven't made any concrete plans yet. I've kind of scheduled myself for some semi-private travel, going back to Asia again in the fall. And then in the meantime, um, a good friend of mine and I, we are trying to wrangle something where we can come up with an excuse to get people to craft in England. Um, And then tag along. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't, I have a new appreciation for like what kind of logistics are involved in setting up those kind of like destination or travel workshops. Yes. Um, You know, like what kind of, how much time you need in advance. And then there's the work involved of getting people committed so that you can reserve a place, especially if you're going somewhere that you yourself have no experience with. But I thought, mm-hmm. oh, what'd be nice is to get over there and then invite anybody who's insane enough to come hang out with us oh, that, yes. are, oh. that are <laughs> that are already in England. Um, I thought we're well, not. Yeah. not in England. <laughs> yes. We'll make a, an open invitation. But yeah, my friend who is that I was talking about this with, she's already done entire like house rentals, but it's mostly for what do you call like a uh, gouache or like botanical, you know, illustration, yes. watercolor art. Yes. And so they get to do a lot of like plein air, you know, pa- landscape painting. They said, well, we've got to do something that will entice people to gather around a table for a few hours. Then we can go off and get toffee pudding or doing whatever stereotypical English countryside <laughs> activities are. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I promise to stay away from the pubs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't <get> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just uh so that that's that's in the pipeline of a such awful wanderlust. I'm always just wanting to go, go, go somewhere. But I need to stay home because I have a child who's going into high school. Wow. That that's a little frightening to me. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> We're not quite there yet, but I can only imagine high school yeah. would be such a challenge for any yeah. parent. Oh my goodness, in yeah. this age. So no, I mean, Hormones, take some time for find inspiration or whatever you need. We'll be here the next yeah. time. You, you host something. We'll try yeah. to And you're always welcome yeah. to point. Uh, I'd love to. I'm serious. I really would. Yeah, I would yeah. Winter, spring, fall, I don't care. It's okay. I kind of wither in humidity though, so I'm really happy yeah, not to be, be here in Europe the, right now or on the East Coast. So yeah, okay. Oh, where are you right now? Virginia. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I took. We went for um, spring break in April, and I remember thinking this isn't that bad. You know, I lived there as a child, and I'd go to Maryland when I was in the military, and 
you know, and I was in Georgia and I remember thinking, this is, I'm not ever doing this ever again. I just need to, I'm totally like a temperate climate person. Yeah. My son was not phased by it at all, but I remember the entire time in DC, I thought I'm puffing up. I look so ugly. <laughs> and It's only the seventies. And then we have like that weird extreme weather front storm system blow through and it canceled our flight. And so we had to like spend an, actually that was not fun because I ended up missing a class that I had to do the next day. So that was a bummer for a lot of people who weren't able to reschedule with me. So I learned a lesson there too. Like never, never do that again. I have to have proper days. Yeah. Yeah. It's not you. It's now. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Or the weather or something, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. And we could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Um, But unfortunately, (laughs) so you are listening to this podcast, be sure to read the blog post that goes along with this, where Lynn has answered some amazing questions that we asked her and has some amazing advice for anybody in paper floristry. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you for joining us, Lynn. Thank Thank you, Lynn. All right. Talk to you again soon. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.